This podcast transmission contains childish language, adult content, psychological nudity, listener discretion is advised. And now for Australia's most exciting podcast, Life Down Under. Please welcome soon to be National Hall of Fame inductee and this evening's podcast host, Gray Stanton. The issue now, it, the truth is that it's the vaccinated that are creating the risk not the unvaccinated. The unvaccinated are, as he says, serving as virus sinks. For the most part, unless they're in those high-risk groups, the probability of them having significant disease and death is minute, particularly if one administers anti-inflammatory drugs early. And, And the real risk here in this whole equation is not being generated by the unvaccinated that then develop uh, broad-based natural immunity uh, to multiple antigens and epitopes that is typically long-lived. It's the vaccinated that have received these very focused uh, spiked vaccines that all have basically a common epitope structure uh, and are, are driving through selective pressure evolution mm-hmm. to escape those key epitopes that are present on those, uh, primarily on the receptor binding domain. Good evening and welcome. I'm Gray Stanton. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that last short soundbite was in fact Dr. Robert Malone. That is the inventor of the mRNA technology in the vaccine, warning that it is the vaxxed who are the super spreaders and not the unvaxxed, as our government here across Australia would have you believe. Uh, Dr. Robert Malone invented the mRNA technology, which has been used to create the Pfizer and Moderna COVID vaccines. And Dr. Malone has been speaking out very loudly especially in the last couple of weeks across Europe, out and about the uh, dangers of the COVID clot shot, such as the damages the coronavirus spike protein causes in the human body. One other person who's also renowned that's been speaking out very loudly from a few months back now was uh, a Canadian by the name of Dr. Byron Bridal, who backs uh, this up in his testimony that was actually given in federal parliament in Capitol Hill in uh, Ottawa, Canada. And Dr. Byron Bridal, uh, well, he's quite a remarkable fellow actually, uh, his credentials and role in the COVID-19 pandemic. Dr. Bridal is an Associate Professor of Viral Immunology at the Department of Pathobiology at the University of Guelph, which is in Southern Ontario. But anyway, since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, Dr. Bridal has been actively involved in disseminating fact-based, balanced scientific information to the public and policymakers, so as to assist people with making fully informed decisions. Because what's been going on is the governments, state and federal, they've been lying to everybody. You cannot have informed consent, folks, with any of these injections. And the reason? It's right in front of you. They're experimental gene therapies. The government even admitted that to you. Currently, they're in phase three trial, okay? Phase three trials. That means that they're still collating the data. They don't even have it all yet. So they can't give you definitive answers. In fact, they're not even telling you exactly what's in them. Although there've been some smart researchers in medicine that have been getting access to some of these vials, placing them under an electron microscope along with those that have been injected with this this bioweapon, because that's exactly what it is. In fact, there was a paper that was published at the end of last year that I received almost two weeks after it was uh, made public from the people that were the ones that put it together, titled SARS-CoV-2 is an unrestricted bioweapon. A truth revealed through uncovering a large-scale organized scientific fraud. There is a correspondence email to that 33-page article, a must print before they remove it from the internet. They're already burning books in Canada, folks. 
But moving along, there is actually two more articles I want to add to this. Another one is titled SARS-CoV-2 Spike Protein Impairs Endothelial Function Via Down Regulation of ACE2. ACE being Alpha Charlie Echo and the number two, or one word. And that was the 4th of December 2020. Then, of course, the next article, which was something that was definitely being blackballed and censored by the Premier of Ontario, Canada, Doug Ford, is uh, Public Health Ontario Enhanced Epidemiological Summary Myocarditis and Pericarditis. So there are a lot of teenage kids that are getting heart attacks and enlarged hearts. But anyway, myocarditis and pericarditis following vaccination with COVID-19 mRNA vaccines in Ontario. And this was done from December 13, 2020 to August 7, 2021. And that is a must print as well. It'll blow your mind. So when they're telling you, oh, it's not going to do any harm to your kids, bullshit because that article is one of thousands now across the globe that prove that it is. And this is not a, a paper that hasn't been peer reviewed. The one thing I've got to tell you, there was an interview recently in Australia with, I can't remember their names and, and goes to show that they're not important, but Craig Kelly, who's a member of parliament, was completely ambushed being brought onto the show, but he still held strong despite some of his flaws. And look, I'm not a fan of his, but Nonetheless, he was referring to someone that is an authority, but not the authority in this game, because somebody that is, I think, head and shoulders above the, the gentleman that he was referring to is actually Dr. Judy Wileyman, who's an independent informed medical options and health educator here in Australia. She's an incredible doctor, and she's someone that you need to pay attention to, because if he'd mentioned her and some of the things that she's been talking about, well, she's only referencing peer-reviewed items or medical journals okay do not discuss or mention medical journals that have not been peer-reviewed because the minute you do that you don't have any credibility so he effectively did sink himself on national tv so the people the two clowns that were interviewing him yes you know that they, they were they were calling him out on something that was was partially true but then again they weren't going on to discuss the medical journals that he had presented that were peer-reviewed that were actually presented and peer-reviewed by the very person who is one of the well-known uh, medical physicians and authorities in this country. But again, Dr. Judy Wileyman, I would put her above the, the person that Craig Kelly was, was mentioning that morning on that show. And then, of course, there's another gentleman by the name of Dr. Paul Craig Roberts from the United States, very well-read, highly educated, been around a long time, and he released an article titled, The Most Important Article on mRNA Vaccination You Will Ever Read, dated 18 September 2021. So you go to his website, paulcraigrobertsalloneword.org, and uh, you'll be able to find it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's now time to go to an ad break. Uh, and here is an honest Australian ad by the Australian government titled Carbon Capture and Storage by the Juice Media. Hello, I'm from the Australian Government with an important announcement as we enter the next stage of the climate crisis. Massive, massive fires, fires, massive floods, massive, massive bullshit. As things fall apart and calls grow for us to urgently reduce our emissions, we've come up with a PR campaign, I mean technology, that makes us look like climate heroes whilst doing sweet nada. Introducing Carbon Capture and Storage. Carbon Capture and Storage, or CCS, is a complex mining process whereby fossil fuel companies in 
inject donations into the arseholes of politicians to delay climate action and let them keep making the ching-ching. CCS entails two key stages, capture and storage. In the capture phase, also known as state capture, fossil fuel interests infiltrate your government at every level so that we'll ignore scientists and keep approving new coal and gas projects. But don't worry, in the storage phase, we pay those fossil fuel companies billions of dollars to bury their emissions underground. Does it work? Absolutely. Those companies store the billions of dollars deep, deep down in their bank accounts where no tax officer can reach them. What's that? Do they store the carbon? Yeah, nah. CCS has missed every single target we've set for it. Let's take a look. 20 years ago, we told you that by today, CCS would capture 5,000 million tonnes of CO2 per year. Today, the world can barely capture 10, which is so far off target you can't even see it on this graph. And when you remember that our global emissions are 36 billion tonnes each year, even if it had met its target, it would contribute approximately... Fuck all! We also said there'd be 100 CCS projects running by today. Today, there are only six. But the biggest one's right here in Australia. So how's it been doing? Well, we gave Chevrolet on $60 million to capture its emissions. And in 2016, it captured... Fuck all. In 2017, fuck all. In 2018, fuck all. But in 2019, it finally got clogged up by sand. To date, Gorgon has captured only 30% of its target. And that's just its processing emissions. If you include all those released when the gas is finally burned, it captured barely 2%. But hey, Chevron stored 100% of that 60 million you gave them. Capture and storage. And that's just the latest fail. Here at the Can Canadian government, we spent about a billion dollars to prove CCS works at this power plant, except it proved it doesn't by failing to reach its target every single year. Eh? And here at the US government, we said this one would give us clean coal. It was years late, billions over budget, and then gave up because it cleaned jack shit, as did this one. And it's not just the technology that sucks, the economics do too. Because CCS is so expensive that even if it worked, which it doesn't, implementing it would be unprofitable for our mates. Unless, of course, we make you pay for it. Which is exactly what we've been doing by blowing 4 billion of your tax dollars on CCS. Including these new projects we just approved. And the best part is we're paying for them by diverting funds away from agencies which are meant to subsidise actual climate solutions, like renewables and EVs. So to sum up, we're making you pay fossil fuel companies to reduce emissions by funding a technology that doesn't reduce emissions with tax dollars that were meant for solutions that do to benefit companies that pay fuck all tax in the first place. Capture and storage. There is another way to make CCS profitable. Enhanced oil recovery. That's when the captured CO2 is used to flush out oil from deposits which would otherwise be too hard to reach. Oil which once burned can release more carbon than was captured. You might call that bullshit, but we call that carbon capture use. Which is why we've added a U to CCS, given Santos millions to pull that trick off at Moomba and called it clean energy. Speaking of bullshit, have you heard of clean hydrogen? Fuck green hydrogen, the energy source with zero emissions made from renewables and water. Here's clean hydrogen, made with coal or gas, which emits more than if you just burnt the fucking coal or gas in the first place. But don't worry, it's clean, because we'll bury that problem too with CCS. And those are just some of the new technologies we'll be using to avoid taking real climate action. And when you add them to the mix, you can clearly see what we're all about Australian government authorized by the department for prolonging the fossil fuel era and making you pay for it well ladies and gentlemen 
good to see that our government uh, is so transparent. Anyway, we are now at war with our own Australian government, whom each and all members of parliament, their chief health officers, police commissioners, have committed high treason and effectively are a direct threat to the national security of this country and its sovereign citizens. But uh, tonight we're going to talk about uh, two topics, first one being herd stupidity, followed by the main topic this evening, which is actually what does it mean to trust the science? But if we, uh, if we trust the science, ladies and gentlemen, they're saying that it's a vaccine that's so safe that we have to be threatened to take it by our own government for a disease that's so deadly with a 99.95% survival rate, by the way, for those under 65, that we have to be tested to know if we have it. I mean, the appellate court in Lisbon, Portugal, the Supreme Court judges ruled that the PCR test is a fraud. And I've got that document in front of me, both in Portuguese and in English translation. On the day of that judgment, folks, November 2020, it circulated across Europe like wildfire. Dr. Reimer Fulmich was told almost within five minutes of that ruling, from the lawyers in Portugal, and he's in Germany, in the High Court, the censorship against that judgment was galactic. It was blacked out completely. I didn't receive it from, from the lawyers in Portugal until almost the end of April this year. They didn't get it until almost the end of February. And then, of course, the reason there was a bit of a delay between them and myself and others that have extensive experience in the courts in the Commonwealth was they had to get it vetted to make sure that it was actually real. What they had was genuine. Because let me tell you, there is a lot of dirty stuff going on in the courts, but it reminds me of you know the rise of Nazi Germany in 1933 when Hitler was elected into the Reichstag as the Chancellor, as the Mannführer, as they used to refer to him. So it's where the, the unvaccinated today are the Jews of back then, but it's disgusting, it truly is. I mean, talk about discrimination. You know, you have these, these SS Einsatzgruppen officers in black marching the streets day and night, saying, show me your papers. That's exactly what's going on today, folks, with all of the state territory police. It's exactly what they're doing. And what they're doing is illegal. Now, I know there's arguments of people saying, well, they're not in breach of their oath. They're not, actually, because they swore an oath to the Australian Commonwealth. Well, actually, it's not. It's the Commonwealth of Australia. The devil's in the detail. I used to be a sworn officer myself within a certain police element in Australia. Yes, that's right, folks. I was there, too. And I resigned because I was not going to partake in the absolute tyranny that is being unleashed by the police across the board, not only in Australia, but it's everywhere around the world. If you're a member of the police service, you need to join the people. Even better, you need to get a cohort and you need to go in there and you need to arrest your commissioner of the police. That's what you need to do. Because the commissioner and all of the officers of the commissioner, they're committing high treason. It's just ridiculous. They've got to be, these people have got to be brought before a judge. They've got to go through the process of, of having to prove, well, they're supposed to be innocent to proven guilty, but proving their guilt's going to be easy because the evidence is so overwhelming of what they've been doing in breach of federal states, uh, federal acts of law. But it's, you know, if you're not vaccinated, you can't go out in public, so you'll be fined, threatened, excluded from the workforce and not allowed to go outside in public. It's not the virus that they're trying to control, it's you, it's us. It didn't start with gas chambers in, in uh, Nazi Germany in 1933. Oh, no. It started with one party controlling the media, one party controlling the message, one party deciding what is truth, one party censoring speech and silencing the opposition, which is us, or those police officers and doctors that are trying to speak out to get the truth out there. 
one party dividing citizens into us and them and calling on their supporters to harass them, harassing us. So it started when good people turned a blind eye and let it happen. It reminds me of a quote that was by Edmund Burke. So in 1770, uh, the Irish statesman, and he was a philosopher as well, but Edmund Burke, he wrote about the need for good men to oppose the cabal of bad men. And it's ironic that term cabal because that's exactly who we're dealing with, the Kazarian banking elites. You must do your homework on the Kazarian people. They are pure evil, pure evil. But he goes on to say that when bad men combine, the good must associate, else they will fall one by one. An unpitied sacrifice in a contemptible struggle, which of course leads us to his most well-known quote, which is, all that is necessary for evil to succeed is that good men do nothing. The longer that we sit down, we don't do or say anything, the worse this will get. Lieutenant Colonel Ricardo Bosi, who was the adjutant for the Special Air Service Regiment in Australia, was interviewed on Alex Jones's show in America, Infowars. I know people don't like the show. I know that they don't like Alex. The bottom line is, is that everything that Alex Jones has been stating for almost three decades, he's actually been proven today in 2021 to be 100% correct. And not because he's some soothsayer and has a crystal ball, because he reads. Because he associated himself with people like Dr. Steve Pachanik, Robert David Steele, Paul Craig Roberts. I mean, these are people that are high, highly educated academics and have served their country very high up in intelligence agencies, folks, in the military. I would implore you to go and look at the interview that was conducted by Alex Jones of retired Lieutenant Colonel Ricardo Bosi because it's very eye-opening. And Ricardo Bosi, for those of you that don't know, he is the founder and the current party leader for Australia One. Everything he says is correct. It is the special forces for politics in that party. Getting in is, I think it's easy to get in. It's called telling the truth. Don't be a bullshitter. Don't lie. And don't be a pedophile. And don't be up to no good. Don't have any scratches on your ticket to show that you've actually got a criminal record. Now, I know that some people find that difficult. Well, if there are those that have had speeding fines or parking tickets, that's something that can be discussed with uh, those that are on the uh, the board of Australia One. All right, because I don't think those things would be a problem. Now, before we move into the uh, the topics of today, being herd stupidity and the main topic, which is what does it mean to trust the science? I received an email from a gentleman, very well put together, but uh, I thought that it was important that I add the uh, some guts to it, some specifics, because it's important for those of you that are certainly younger than myself and a lot of listeners won't remember certain things that have taken place in the last 30 years that are, well, they're reasons why we're where we are now. And obviously a lot of people, including myself at the time, weren't conscious enough to know what was really going on, but we do now. So this gentleman states that it's not the government or police who are doing this to us, and that's correct. It's us Australians who have been too comfortable with bread and circuses, and he states brackets, footy and beer but far too long. True. I've noticed this. I've been away in Canada for a very, very long time, and it's the same garbage over there as well, folks, with people with their, their hockey. You know, it's, it's insane. But no one bats an eyelid when the Governor-General gets taken out in 1960. True. No one bats an eyelid when Gough Whitlam knocks the crown out and replaces it with a lookalike. True. No one bats an eyelid when former Prime Minister Bob Hawke in 1985 knocks the Queen of England out and replaces it with a lookalike. True. No one bats an eyelid when former Prime Minister John Howard introduced the 1996 Firearms Act. Now, that's really pivotal because that was a false flag operation to which the Australian government, John Howard and his cronies, 
and elements within ASIO with the CIA staged the entire thing from start, middle and end. So the Port Arthur Massacre, 28, 29 of April, 1996. It was a mass shooting in which 35 people were killed, 23 others were wounded, Port Arthur, Tasmania. That little little drop of land that used to be called Van Diemen's Land. So the murderer, Martin Bryant, pleaded guilty and was given 35 life sentences without the possibility of parole. There's no way the guy could have made even one of those those shots against the people that were there that day, folks. It turns out, as two investigative journalists have republished again an article last June 2020 that worked for The Age, of which neither of them are anywhere to be found at the moment, by the way. Interesting. Well, at the time, SAS soldiers, snipers that were involved in that, that event. And then two months later, we had the Black Hawk disaster in Townsville. Dead men tell no tales. The people that were behind that operation, that false flag operation... Port Arthur and doing the cleanup of the Black Hawk disaster were the same people that were responsible for the operation that they claimed was going in and getting Osama bin Laden, whose real name was Timothy Osman, by the way. And he died before 9-11 even happened as well. Renal failure. Same as that famous All Blacks rugby union player, Jonah Limu. But I digress. Extortion 17. You need to read it. The irony is that the similarities of that operation with those 35 dead Navy SEALs from the gold team known as Team 6 DevGrew is the same people that orchestrated the Port Arthur massacre there's a lot of stuff that came out in a court case with Michael Strange's family who was one of the SEALs that died that day in fact he was the the one that was still alive when the medics got there because he was blowing out the back of the Chinook and he had a letter and he was still conscious enough to give the PJs that turned up the pararescue guys yeah the guys that saved Navy SEALs remarkable men So you can go to John B. Wells for that. There's an interview there that goes back, I think it was 2016 that was released. Maybe a little bit bit before. Or you just email John B. Wells. He'll gladly respond. But that's an interview that you need to watch because there was a court case with the NSA. They turned up with 17 lawyers. Michael's family, they just had one. And they won that case. So, of course, again, intimidation tactics by the government. But moving back to this gentleman's letter, so we don't get too sidetracked. But everything I've just told you is a fact. It's not my opinion. If you get off your backsides and you do some research, you, it's going to be a hard hard uh, cook to, to swallow. I understand. It was when I heard it too. I knew Michael uh, back from my service days. I'm glad I've been out as long as I have because I've seen a lot of, lot of friends. They're dead because they were bought and sold on the lie in the Middle East. There's no weapons of mass destruction, folks. There never was. The real reason that we went there is partly for resources but there's another reason and that's a topic that I won't discuss because there's some of you listeners tonight that are probably still thinking that COVID's real and if I start going off and giving other information that you'll think I'm a complete quack sad part is is that I've got the actual evidence and yes I find it hard to sleep some nights but I see that it's a responsibility that I need to drip feed the truth to you so that you can go through it yourself and come to terms with the fact that we have all been lied to for decades. So the gentleman then states that no one bats an eyelid. Paul Keating sold off uh, our only public bank. I remember that, and that was to do with the sale of Qantas, our, our main uh, airline, in the 1990s, and the Commonwealth Bank. But more importantly, what has uh, some of the Aussies down under that are really getting riled is the discovery that there's been articles published this month in September of 2021, 2020, and 2019 
with the former Australian Prime Minister Paul Keating being on the China's payroll and then, you know, of course, carrying on still that he's, he's a puppet for China. And it, there's an interesting soundbite that, uh, from back in 2019 that I'm going to uh, play very short because it's something that I don't believe got traction then when it was forwarded to me when it first came out back in 2019. And I believe it was February, for memory, February 2019. I actually have got a pretty good memory, at least I hope I do. But anyway, here it is. Here's, here's this little quick uh, soundbite that certainly raises some eyebrows. An honoured guest at Labor's campaign launch. PJ Keating. The former Prime Minister is still an influential advisor to the party's leadership. And that's caused Labor some angst after an extraordinary attack on Australia's intelligence chiefs. When the security agencies are running foreign policy, the nutters are in charge. He called on an incoming Labor government to sack them. You clean them out. You clean them out. Because Paul Keating believes the intelligence agencies are anti-China. You know, China, whatever you think, China is a great state. No agency disputes that, but without naming the culprit publicly, Defence and intelligence chiefs have railed at Beijing's massive cyber theft. APT-10, who we're calling out today as having worked with the Chinese Ministry of State Security. It's spying and interference in Australian politics. Hostile intelligence activity poses a real and existential threat to Australian security and sovereignty. And they have banned Chinese tech giant Huawei from participating in the rollout of next-generation wireless. My advice was to exclude high-risk vendors from the entirety of 5G networks. The coalition hit out at the former Prime Minister. Our security agencies have prevented 15 terrorist attacks in Australia. To call for their sacking uh, is quite a remarkable uh, statement from Mr Keating. Bill Shorten should be having something to say about that in denouncing what Paul Keating had to say. Is he wrong then when he says that the security agencies are filled with nutters? Yeah, I don't share that view. I do not share that view. The security agencies and diplomatic communities do wonder how Labor will handle the big question of our age, China's rise to challenge the United States as the dominant world power. We, of course, will continue to take the professional advice of the people who help keep Australians safe. That would be wise. Chris Yulman, Nine News. So ladies and gentlemen, you can see from that, and that's from 2019, nothing's changed in the two years since. Just to give you some perspective on some of the people that were heard in there, you've got Bill Shorten, who's stating at the end that he doesn't share that view with Paul Keating. Let's be very clear, Bill Shorten's a moron, you know, a guy that couldn't even handle a year in the army reserves, for heaven's sake. I don't know where to begin. And then of course there was Alistair McGibbon, who was the former National Cybersecurity Advisor. Uh, Duncan Lewis, who's the ASIO chief, and then, of course, Mike Burgess, another idiot of uh, the Australian Signals Directorate that used to be, in my era, known as DSD, or Defence Signals Directorate. These people are nothing short of warhawks. That's what they're referred to in North America. They are literally trying to get us to go to war with China. Same bullshit that they've tried with Iraq and the Middle East, and now they want to they want to do it with China. You will have to understand, I've already mentioned the Kazarian banking elites. That's who's behind this. Okay, there's a whole string of stuff that I could go into, but I'm not going to because that's not for today's discussion. But uh, again, I can understand from other people's perspective, they'll say, oh, well, hang on, Paul Keating, former prime minister, is on one of the boards in, in China as an advisor, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he is. But the other thing that you guys have to understand is that China does not want to go to war. They never have. They haven't started a war with anyone ever. If you can understand the, the true goings uh, on and in of political science, we're dealing with a, an evil cabal. 
that have infiltrated every single government on the planet. It's only now that Jinping, who's the, the leader of China, he's getting rid of them. There's an arrest warrant for George Soros, for heaven's sake. And he's also been lab- labelled as a terrorist and, and enemy of the state. So all these assets that were there, they've been seized and those people have been hanged and shot. They're dead. You're probably wondering how I know that. Well, I used to work for another group as a private security contractor. And Eric Prince runs a company out of Hong Kong known as Frontier Services Group, which provide the security for Frontier Resources Group. He's a former Navy SEAL. He's also the founder and, uh, and creator of what used to be Blackwater, which was a damn good company and with excellent operators that did a lot of good work. But uh, again, I, I say to people, unless you were there, you need to pipe down because we know, we're, because we're there, we've been there. Anyway, I just thought I'd play that for you because it's important to understand that you know, people are saying that Paul Keating sold out Australia for a few uh, Chinese you know, dollars, continue to undermine the labour for his own, own greed, and that is that is not true. I'm not even supportive of Paul Keating. I'm not for or against him. But when you look at the actual evidence, and I don't mean the evidence that the mainstream media give you, that they spoon-feed you, because that's also rubbish, you will find that a lot of what you're being told is just a flat-out lie. I understand that he that he was on the International Advisory Board of the uh, China Development Bank, uh, which is a state-owned bank. I get that. But China wants peace and prosperity. They haven't invaded anyone ever, not in, not in over, well, 10,000 years. And not even before that, if we can go back that far as well. They're a civilization that deal with things internally. They have been usurped and, and infiltrated, unfortunately, uh, hence the last emperor of China with the Kazarian horde getting in there and then causing absolute havoc. And it's taken them a very long time to break free of them, almost a century. Same as what went on with Russia when they, the Romanovs were, um, were murdered. And it wasn't until Vladimir Putin came in, he was actually brought in. It was always going to be the case, but it's taken him his entire life to rid Russia of this vermin. So this gentleman then mentions no one bats an eyelid when in 1999 they turned our country into a de facto Republican by foreigners, i.e. the CCP, Kazarian banking elites. You know, In Australia, it'd be people like Frank Lowy. So Westfield, for those of you that know about that. And no one bats an eyelid when in 2015, uh, Peter Credlin, who's that investigative journalist that's on Sky News, and Tony Abbott, former Prime Minister, who was ousted by Malcolm Turnbull. And Peter Credlin and Tony Abbott were the ones that introduced the Biosecurity Act of 2015. Funny that. And then the gentleman continues to say no one bats an eyelid when the incitement laws were passed in 2016. And these incitement laws were all done to prepare and pave the way against anti-vaxxers, etc. and those that are against big government. Big Pharma. But no one bats an eyelid when they tried to make it two years jail for buying a car, a vehicle, with cash over $10,000. But no one bats an eyelid when they try to steal and buy our public-owned Australia Post. No one bats an eyelid when they introduced and passed Defence Amendment Act 2020, allowing the reserves to be called up in an emergency, not a disaster. So this act was about super and full-time hours for the reserves, a super as in being superannuation. Which, by the way, the army, the police, they don't have any um, pension funds or superannuation. That money's also been stolen. It's trillions of dollars worldwide that's missing. That's one of the main cases in the High Court in Germany. So the clauses in that act also allows for foreign police onto our shores. This act also allows foreign military onto our shores, which we've seen. UN troops, CCP troops, US troops loyal to the deep state, which again is the Kazarian banking elites. And the big one with this act, of course, was... That's right. All the reserves, foreign police, United Nations and or NATO, 
and the foreign military of the USA and or China have impunity for whatever they do to us. That means that they are exempt from prosecution or jail. He continues on you know, stating that Aussies need to get off their bongs, drugs and alcohol, meds, glass pipes, stop watching rugby league and AFL and just wake up and stand up and fight back via information warfare and spreading the actual facts based on the actual science which is going to be the main topic that we're going to talk about today. He also states that, you know, not to mention that all the public uh, assets, our, our assets, that have been stolen off us as well, you know, power, gas, water, uh, ports, like in Darwin and Newcastle, the CCP have got a hold of. You've got to remember, folks, that it's the Kazarian banking elites within the CCP, okay? You need to stop broad brushing that, oh, China's done this, China's... No, China hasn't done anything. It's one of the reasons why Xi Jinping, who's the, the current leader, he's cleaning house. He's doing what Trump was doing in his term. That's exactly what's happening in China. And I wish people would just wake up. You've got to understand that BRICS was created for a reason. Brazil, Russia, India, and China. These are the good guys. Bolsonaro, who's the leader in Brazil, he had 11.5 million people two weeks ago at a rally. He was there, they were there, supporting each other. And he gave an ultimatum telling the Kazarian elites are still there. If you don't get the hell out of our country, you're dead. And he's got the generals there. They've been working round the clock, rounding these people up, and they're killing them. These are evil people that have destroyed our way of life. It reminds me of Sleeman's Honey Brown Beer in Canada, sold off to uh, Asahi or that, that Japanese beer company that, that bought and took it over. Again, another sale that uh, shouldn't have happened. But Sleeman's is prominent. It was involved in the Prohibition years with Al Capone. Those days are long gone. But anyway, moving along. So the work all week uh, in a low-paying job just to make ends meet so we can have that so-called hard-earned Palmer and Pot at the pub and watch the footy. That also needs to stop. Then he moves along and states that there is a uh, correction in the housing market coming real soon and nearly happened the other day. True. That uh, means anyone with a mortgage or loan will have it taken from them. True. No jab, no job, no repayments. You know, I've circulated a letter to many members across the board, both in government and private sector. That letter was forwarded to me from a current QC, criminal barrister in the UK. The letter was worked on with themselves and another group of high court, Supreme Court justices, so judges from Westminster, from England's highest court, and they're also QCs. And the letter basically states, you agree to take the jab. So don't say, no, you're not going to take it. Say, yes, I will take the jab. But first of all, I need you to answer these questions. Because under Article 6 of the Nuremberg Code, it's already illegal what they're doing. You need to place the onus on them. You need to be tactful, which is a strategy of what they've been doing across Europe and North America and England, and it works. The courts are inundated with wrongful termination or unfair dismissal cases, and the companies are having to pay these people out. The entire population has been accepting fraudulent currency for decades, and that gravy train is now over. True. The banks are trading insolvent. True. The banks have spent our life savings, pension funds gone, superannuation gone. True. So the banks have spent all our superannuation, I've just stated. Uh, the banks have sold off your land titles. True. No banks get robbed anymore because they have no cash. True, because they want to basically have everything that's um, you know electronic. So, for example, they've got a card. They can wipe out their debt and they can say, oh, I'm going to give myself $50 million on my, on my line of credit. That's what they do. That's what they've been doing. And they are insolvent. And no one bats an eyelid. True. Because people are too busy with their social media. And they're attached to, to crap. Materialism. It's high on the agenda for most most people today, which is a shame. 
So all this has happened because they removed the teaching of our law of the land in 1981, the Constitution of Australia, out of the school system by 1986, true. And they copied word for word the entire book and changed out the logos and we the Australians for we the political parties. They plagiarised it, folks, and no one batted an eyelid. Instead, people say, oh, the footy's on, mate. I'll pick up a slab on the way over. That's, that's the crap that's been going on. We're all guilty of it you know, from our times as late teenagers and early 20s, but there's got to come a point where you've got to wake up and step up. The councils, the state politicians, the state police, the unions all work for foreign corporations. True, like the CCP, the Kazarian banking elite corporations inside the CCP, inside other governments. The main one is BlackRock. So BlackRock and Vanguard, they're the enemy. Pilgrim Society, you need to do your homework on these groups. And they have taken an oath to that uh, corporation named the International Monetary Fund, the Rothschilds. But remember, these family names that I've mentioned, they're not the top or the tip of the spear that we're against. They're about halfway down the blade. So the federal politicians and federal police swear an oath to a foreign corporation, and that foreign corporation is the Australian Commonwealth, not the correct one that should state Commonwealth of Australia. These are the devils in the detail, right? The Australian Commonwealth is the look-alike, and the real one for us is the Commonwealth of Australia, which we all have one share in. The other fraud they pulled off was the Queen of Australia and not the Queen of England. There is no Queen of Australia. It's the Queen of England. It always has been, QE2. So the Queen of Australia is the look-alike, and Queen of England, QE2, is our true monarch, which gives us the powers under our constitution. That is the maroon book, folks, not the bloody green one that they've given us. And Gough Whitlam was involved in that. That's why he was pitched. The Queen of Australia is the fake constitution, the green book, yes. So copied word for word by Gough Whitlam in 1974 in a late night parliament meeting with just two politicians to pass it. No one bats an eyelid. No one says a word. Except our Governor General Kerr at the time saw the fraud and sacked Gough Whitlam for treason. And Gough Whitlam locked Kerr in a room and called the Queen of England and told her he was committing treason and they both got the sack. So you've got to ask yourself these mates. Although the other thing that I've heard too, there's just a backtrack on that, is that the Governor General was the one who was in on it. But we're never going to know. Either way, what we do know is that they were literally sedition and literally surreptitious activities leading to the undermining and the usurping of our constitution, our rights. It's, it's high treason. The other thing we also know and I know from experience having been sworn law enforcement officer is that most of the people that are in there, they couldn't find their own ass with both hands in a room with the lights on, folks. Most of the people that you see that go through these police academies, they've got dad's disease. And for those of you that don't know what that means, it means dumb as dog shit. Okay, these, these are people who are not, in, they're not intelligent. They're not actually willing to push themselves and excel. So they take the easy option. So you gotta ask yourself, have you uh, ever seen or heard of a person called or claimed to be the Queen of Australia? So that's the big elephant in the room. So, you know, you listen to the oaths that they all swear in parliament and the police. It's both the Queen of England and the Queen of Australia, and sometimes only the Queen of Australia and some not at all. And that's high treason right there in plain view. So the punishment for that is drawn and quartered and that penalty still stands today. It does. They're trying to tell you that it doesn't. Uh, I'm sorry, folks, it does. Okay, under the original Australian constitution, it does. So the Commonwealth of Australia, not the Australian Commonwealth. So we were an ex-penal colony. We need to remember that, yes, he states that here. But the fake constitution has remained. They also stole our money off us and swapped that out as well. True. And so our money is pound sterling and was swapped over to the Australian dollar. So by none other than the Queen of Australia, a.k.a. New York Federal 
Reserve, and that also is the Rothschilds. That gentleman makes very, very, very um, significant points of history that I bet most of you have no idea about. But the most prominent one that's in there, two of them actually, is to do with what took place with Gough Whitlam and the false flag event of Port Arthur Massacre. Because if we could somehow go back in time, those are the two events that need to be stopped. But they haven't been, they did happen, and that's why we're in the mess we're in now. If people can stop watching the mainstream media, that means the news, ABC, SBS 7, 9 and 10 and Sky News, turn it off, okay? Turn it off because it's rubbish. And start doing your own personal research and go to Rumble, go to BitChute. I know that the alternatives and people say, oh, but it's all crap. No, it's not. One of the closest friends I have from my time in North America is a lady by the name of Cheryl Atkinson. Okay, Cheryl Atkinson. She's a two-time Emmy Award winner, investigative journalist. She's incredible. Okay, another woman that I was contracted to protect was a lady by the name of Anna Marie Tremonti, who is probably the most prominent investigative wartime journalist in the CBC in Canada they've ever had. She was the one who blew open the lid of the women and the child sex trafficking in Bosnia and the war in Herzegovina. But I pay attention to, to people like that that now have their own channels. They do not work for the mainstream. But Cheryl Atkinson, she's actually uh, keyed in to the world of uh, Carlos Norris. For those of you that don't know, that is Chuck Norris. That's right, famous action star, Walker, Texas Ranger. She's also in that world. So she's not a she's not a pushover. She's got a mind like a razor blade and she's tough. But that's one person that I would strongly suggest that you go and start listening to and listen to John B. Wells, who does Caravan to Midnight. And another fellow would be another friend of mine is Dr. Michael uh, Viner, who is one of the professors at Cal Berkeley in uh, anthropology. Very, very smart man. He has his own radio show called Savage Nation. So they refer to him as Dr. Michael Savage. That should get you started on the right road. So what we're going to do now is we're going to move into this uh, quick topic of herd stupidity because this is a, a must discussion that we need to discuss in relation to what is actually going on currently, folks. But before we do that, let's just go to a quick break, shall we? On Monday, September 20th, two top pathologists held a press conference in Germany to reveal their findings of an investigation into 10 deaths linked to the COVID-19 vaccines and what they revealed is shocking. The press conference took place at the Institute of Pathology in Reutingen, Germany, of which Professor Arne Burkhardt has been in charge of for over 18 years. Professor Burkhardt held the press conference alongside another experienced pathologist, Professor Walter Young who has headed a private institute specializing in lung pathology for the past 35 years, among other appointments. In collaboration with several other anonymous pathologists, Professor Arne Burkhardt and Professor Walter Young investigated 10 deaths that had occurred after the person had received the COVID-19 vaccine, and this is what they found. Of the 10 deaths, the two professors confirmed that they concluded five were very likely due to the COVID-19 vaccine, two were probably related to the vaccine, one was inconclusive, and two they concluded had no relation to the COVID-19 vaccine. However, what they found astonishing, is the similarities among the deaths that they concluded were linked to vaccination. In three cases, they found rare autoimmune diseases, one of them so rare that they only discovered it when they looked closely at the digitized image. They were Hashimoto's, an autoimmune triggered hypothyroidism, leukoclastic vasculitis, an inflammatory reaction in the capillaries that leads to skin bleeding, and Sjogren's syndrome, an inflammation of the salivary and lacrimal glands. Although deaths with suspected vaccine reactions are far from a representative sample of the population, three autoimmune diseases in a total of 10 is a strikingly high rate. 
The most striking finding, however, related to lymphocytes. The lymphocytes are running amok in all organs, Professor Lang called it. Not only did he show accumulations of lymphocytes in a wide variety of tissues, from the heart muscle to the kidney, liver, spleen, and uterus, he also showed images in which the tissue was massively attacked as a result, and a whole series of lymphocyte follicles, which are small, developing lymph nodes in completely the wrong place, for example in lung tissue. It also showed detachments of endothelial cells, which are the smooth cells that form the wall of blood vessels, clumps of red blood cells that ultimately cause thrombosis, and giant cells that formed around trapped foreign bodies. Lang said he had not seen anything like these clusters of lymphocytes in hundreds of thousands of pathological studies. Normally, other white blood cells, the granulocytes, are found in inflammations. In these cases, however, these are hardly found, and instead there are masses of lymphocytes. Further investigations are needed to determine which type of lymphocyte is involved in this process and how exactly it is triggered in order to prove a watertight connection with the vaccination. However, the histological examinations required for this would still take at least six months. Still, he said, the results available so far are important enough to make known in advance in the form of this press conference. The two professors also revealed images of unidentified foreign bodies suspected to be either contaminants or the adjuvants in the COVID-19 vaccines. Foreign bodies which they discovered in highly inflamed lung tissue. We're missing out on 90%, he said of the number of fatal vaccine reactions. That is not the fault of forensic scientists and pathologists, he said. After all, you can only see what you know, and forensic medicine can't do histological examinations anyway. But it is urgently necessary to perform more autopsies on such cases. Unfortunately, he said, that is often hindered. Our task is to educate people about risks and side effects, he said of the goal of his work. A task that would actually have to be fulfilled by institutions such as the Paul Ehrlich Institute in the case of experimental vaccines with emergency approval. The findings of the experienced pathologists from an investigation into 10 deaths following COVID-19 vaccination come after another pathologist, Professor Peter Schirmesser, director of the Pathological Institute of the University of Heidelberg in Germany, sounded the alarm over his findings following over 40 autopsies of people who died within two weeks of having a COVID-19 vaccine. Schirmacher stated that 30-40% to 40 of people he examined died from the vaccine and that in his opinion, the frequency of fatal consequences of vaccinations is underestimated. Following his findings, Schirmacher called for more autopsies of vaccinated people to further determine whether the vaccines are linked to deaths. He has warned that the high number of unreported cases of vaccination deaths is partially due to the fact that, pathologists do not notice anything about most of the patients who die after and possible from a vaccination. So ladies and gentlemen, herd stupidity, the manufactured COVID crisis, the gene-based mRNA vaccine, and the pinnacles of wealth and power. So no matter how lethal or how injurious or how fraught with the catastrophic consequences, the mass inoculation project is being pushed forward at warp speed. The pandemic is contrived, of course, uh, for sinister motives. Uh, so everything connected with COVID is junk science, foisted on a fearful and gullible world. The virus, the lockdowns, the masks, the abuse of the PCR for diagnosis, which we've already covered through the appellate courts in Lisbon, Portugal, ruling their judgment and their decision, of course, being a fraud, along with the, uh, the unlawful lockdowns. 
but the temperature checks of that stupid plastic device that they try to shine on your forehead at commercial entrances, the ubiquitous little bottles of alcohol to clean your hands, the relentless propaganda by the mainstream media and most especially the soon-to-be mandatory lethal injections are all junk science. We should also remember that there was a ruling in the Australian Fair Works Commission on the 27th of September, these injections cannot be mandated. So regardless of what that dickhead Daniel Andrews, who's the Premier of Victoria, has been saying, he will be breach of the Article 6 Nuremberg Code, Helsinki uh, Agreement, a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Bottom line is the guy's going to be done for war crimes. He, he's finished. So we've already managed to get rid of Berejiklian, who resigned. The ICAC inquiry that she has, by the way, folks, it's got nothing to do with her, her ex-partner. It's to do with the almost $70 million that she's been giving us grants to the pharmaceutical companies and research for these bioweapons. She is going to go to prison. That is going to happen. Moving along, the people behind all this are masters and higher masters of crowd psychology and have the most sinister and evil intentions for all of us, which I think is most unfortunate. But it's being done on an unprecedented scale. Medical doctors have been violating their professional vow that they will do no harm. In Israel, for instance, just over a month ago, 59% of new hospitalizations for COVID-19 were the fully vaccinated. That, of course, skyrocketed to over 95%. In fact, I think it's closer to 97%. And you, again, you go and Google through DuckDuckGo. I wouldn't use the Google platform per se, but then again, every platform on the internet seems to have been compromised. But bottom line is you've got to go and do your research, folks. This statistic is just one of a barrage of indicators that the push towards the universal vaccination of national populations is doing more harm than good. And many vaccinated people are themselves spreading viral contagion and becoming sick themselves, reportedly from the Delta variant, which I covered earlier on right at the beginning of this podcast by Dr. Rob Malone, who's the inventor of the mRNA, who's been very clear. And now there are thousands of these specialist doctors around the world coming out of the woodwork, blowing the whistle that it is in fact the vaccinated that are the super spreaders and that they're the ones that are spreading the Delta variant. There was no COVID before any of this, folks, because it had not been isolated. What is actually spreading is a bio weapon. It is a chimera. And that has also been blown wide open publicly. All the documents are there from Dr. Anthony Fauci all the way through to Dr. Barich to Peter Daszak, who was running the Wuhan Institute of Virology, making these bioweapons. So these three stooges are the ones behind all of this. So the Delta variant is one of many mutations of the supposedly new coronavirus because as time goes on, this thing will mutate again and again and again. It's, it's never ending. It's probably the best answer to that is it's infinite. But the propagandistic press, the mainstream media, to maximize the number of injection recipients exposes a pervasive disregard for the terms of the Nuremberg Code, which I've mentioned already. The Nuremberg Code was created as part of the Victor's Justice trial of the Hitlerian Brain Trust. The Nuremberg Code stipulates that human subjects in medical experiments must not be coerced into taking part, nor should those seeking to become human subjects in a medical test be denied the conditions enabling them to give truly informed consent for the decision to participate. You see, there is no informed consent with any of these injections. And the reason is because there's no data. They want to tell you they've got data. Well, the data would be little things like someone died from an adverse reaction. And that, of course, is now in the millions. But we've got, you know, worldwide, of course, with an amalgamation of those numbers. So you cannot have informed consent when you've got experimental gene therapies that are in a trial phase. So the Pfizer, for example, is in phase three trials that don't expire until April of 2023. That's more than 18 months away. And then, of course, you've got the 
phase three trials for Moderna that don't expire until October 2022, which is pretty much this time next year. But again, you cannot have informed consent when these are experimental drugs. And that goes against Article 6 of the Nuremberg Code. It's very, very clear. The Victorian Premier, Daniel Andrews of Australia, absolute moron. And he's corrupt as hell. He is, he is the textbook definition in the DSMV of a psychopath. But the vaccines and bioweapons, well, they're a bioweapon. We know that now too. There is a published article that was done on that, released at the end of 2020, which I discussed earlier on in the show as well. So how can the requirements of informed consent be fulfilled by glitzy advertising campaigns that consistently overstate the benefits and blatantly ignore the risks of taking the jabs? And what does the publicised testimony of movie stars, pop singers, sports heroes, in fact, regarding sports heroes, there was an NBA basketball star standing his ground. No COVID shots for him. The gentleman's name is Andrew Higgins, who is standing firm on his previous announcement that the, he doesn't plan to get the COVID-19 vaccine anytime soon. This is a gentleman that originally from Toronto, Canada, 26 years of age, 6'7", approximately 200 pounds, very fit guy, and plays for none other, of course, ladies and gentlemen, Golden State Warriors. Ironically, it's the same team that Chris Mullen used to play for. And Chris Mullen, anybody knows about him. He was one of the original guys that made the Dream Team, which was the first American Olympic team to feature active professional basketball players from the National Basketball Association, you know, the NBA. I mean, there was players on that team like uh, Lather, uh, Robinson, Dave Robinson, you know, aka the Admiral, who um, you know, played for the San Antonio Spurs. He actually did serve in the Navy, by the way, in the United States. You know, it was Patrick Ewing from the New York Knicks. We had Larry Bird from uh, Boston Celtic, uh, Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan, of course, number 23 for the Chicago Bulls, and then Qu- Clyde Drexler and Carl Malone, John Stockton, and Chris Mullen, of course, who, you know, if you, those you don't know, he used to play drunk. It's it's not a not a made-up story. It's actually true. He was damn good too. And then, of course, Sir Charles Barkley, he used to play for the 76 although he hasn't received a, a, a real knighthood, folks, but that was what we everyone would call him around the world. And Magic Johnson, who was point guard. But just getting back on topic with regard to uh, the NBA player, Andrew Wiggins, he's steadfastly refused the vaccine, despite the fact that several venues, including the city of San Francisco, require proof of the vaccination to attend large indoor events. The San Francisco Department of Public Health said the only reason Wiggins could get out of the shot is to apply for a religious exemption. The Warriors reportedly sent Wiggins to a doctor to discuss his vaccine hesitancy, but he has yet to relent. He's not interested. He knows it's BS, and so does the rest of the planet now. But there you go. And then you've got the businesses moguls, business moguls, and have to uh, to do with enabling human subjects in medical experiments to realistically evaluate the nature of the possible dangers facing them. So in this instance, basic experimental protocols were left behind when the designers of these experimental procedures made humans stand in for lab rats and guinea pigs in the course of the initial tests. And a decision was made to bypass the usual medical procedure of trying out new medical products by administering them first to animals. Now, there were animal trials. They all died, all of them. And I don't know if you guys remember in one of the, the local papers in, uh, in uh, France, and it was also in Canada, with two little mousy mouse. A mouse one would say to the uh, second mouse, he say, are you going to get vaccinated? And the second mouse would say, are you crazy? They haven't finished the tests on humans. The irony of, of how true could that be? But 
The experimental phase in the production of the COVID jabs is still underway, as I've already stated. In fact, the COVID jabs continue to be the objects of the largest experiment on human subjects ever mounted. And Dr. Martin makes it very clear that in his view, the proper culmination of this saga of malfeasance should end up with the multiple criminal prosecutions of the likes of Anthony Fauci, Ralph Barich, and the University of North Carolina, I do believe it is, but it's Chapel Hill. And then you've got Dr. Peter Daszak, who was the head of the Wuhan uh, Institute of Virology, with Dr. Zhang Li, Xi, and Bill Gates, of course, funding it through his foundation, and Dr. Neil Ferguson, that clown in the UK, and many, many more. But uh, Dr. David Martin also takes aim at an elaborate Canadian aspect of the unfolding scandal. And this scandal continues to swirl in and around the nefarious business activities of many culprits, including those of Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Now, this little bit is actually something that I know a lot about. During my time in Canada, we were placed to investigate the death of Dr. Frank Francis Plummer, or Frank Plummer, who is the Director General for the P4 Bioweapons Lab in Winnipeg, Canada, where this pretty much started to pick up, pick up traction with the two Chinese uh, uh, researchers that were basically removed from the country and from that site um, effective immediate at that time. And that was uh, at the end of 2019, leading into early 2020. What's very interesting is that the inventor of the PCR test, Dr. Carey Mullis, who was a Nobel Prize winner, his death was in August of 2019. Then we ended up with the death of the head of UNICEF, Australia's top epidemiologist, Dr. Peter Salama, and then we ended up with the death of Dr. Francis Plummer, followed by the death of Ambassador Wei from China. Now, the last three names that I've mentioned to you, we found that the last three guys all died of a heart attack. They were autopsied and it was induced. They were injected with a lethal dose of potassium chloride. As for Carrie Mullis, he unfortunately was exposed to the, the virus itself directly. Now, I know that people say his death was through pneumonia. It's not, folks. Dr. Carrie Mullis's death was actually viral vascular endothelitis which attacks the lining of the blood vessels, particularly the small pulmonary alveolar capillaries, leading to endothelial cell activation and sloughing or coagulopathy, sepsis, pulmonary edema, and ARDS-like symptoms. So this is a disease of the blood and the blood vessels, the circulatory system. So any pneumonia that it causes is secondary to that, folks. And I know this because it was my one of my closest friends uh, wives who one of her mentors was the one that conducted the autopsy on Dr. Carrie Mullis and that of course is not very well known because again the mainstream media refuse to publish it. We've, we're working with some of the top forensic cardiologists in the world and at that time we managed to get the evidence that we needed to prove that this is not a conspiracy theory but it is a conspiracy. I mean it's, it's, hard, it's hard to to swallow I understand it truly is but this is real. In fact, there was, there was an article that was published also on the 24th of September 2021 by uh, Paul Craig Roberts, where it was stated an undertaker explains how the depopulation project is working, and it effectively is to a certain degree. Although I'd like to believe, as do some with the silver lining in the cloud, that their whole agenda is starting to fall off somewhat. Again, that'll, that'll wait to be seen. Now, despite the coherence and sincerity of the undertaker, you see, for decades, people of the world have been indoctrinated to regard all explanations contrary to official accounts as conspiracy theory. The CIA planted conspiracy theory on the media to discredit highly credible accounts of President John F. Kennedy's assassination that rejected the official narrative. And since 1963, the prostitutes have used conspiracy theory 
to shut down all challenges to official narratives. The consequence is that instead of thinking and considering alternative explanations, most people, at least initially, dismiss non-official explanations. So people who know from lifelong experience that government always lies, nevertheless always fall for the lie. And many people around the world think that if the official narrative was not true, then doctors would not go along with it. And they believe this because they mistakenly think that doctors are independent and in charge, as Dr. Ted Knoll explains, that is not the case. And that is the gentleman that is referenced, which can be accessed on this article that was published, topic, title, and Undertaker explains how the depopulation project is working, published September 24, 2021, under paulcraigroberts.org. But fewer doctors are in independent practice. So most are employees of hospitals, large corporate practices and clinics run by managers. And of course, these healthcare providers are run according to protocols handed down by the government bodies. And so, for example, let's take the United States, all of whom are influenced by Big Pharma. We all are, but America seems to be more so than any other country on the face of the planet. So the protocol for COVID treatment has been to deny treatment until the patient becomes ill in a life-threatening way and checks into hospital. Now, with regard to the ventilators, one in 39 people survive. That means that the other 38 don't. Inside the hospital, the protocol is to deny patients safe and effective treatments with hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and many patients end up dead on the ventilators. Now, the one thing that's starting to happen in New South Wales and Victoria is the nurses and the doctors are breaking ranks and they're blowing the whistle on this because the people that have taken the jab are being administered ivermectin. People who come in that are actually unvaxxed are being placed on ventilators and they're killing them. You need to wake up. This is not America. This is happening right here in Australia today. And it's been going on for several, several months. So when little Danny Hunchback Andrews, Premier of Victoria, tells you to go and get the jab, he is committing a crime against humanity. You must be cognizant of this. You must be cognizant. These injections are experimental drugs. They are not approved by the TGA or the FDA or by anyone because they're still in their phase three trials sequence. And as I've stated already, and I'll say it again, they do not end until the beginning of uh, 2023, effectively uh, April 2023 for Pfizer in particular. Now, the COVID protocol demonizes the known and safe treatments and does its best to prevent their use by private practices. So according to the reports, large pharmacy chains, say in America and in Canada, as Walgreens and CVS, refuse to fill the doctor's prescriptions for hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin for COVID treatment. In fact, here in the state of Queensland from April 2021, they've made it illegal for doctors to be able to prescribe patients with hydroxychloroquine. And if they do, it's either six months prison or it's a $13,000 fine. When these drugs were raided by the WHO for almost 100 years, as completely safe. Ivermectin, by the way, is a Nobel Prize from 2015. In fact, Ivermectin was first created for humans. There was no discussion with it being used for animals. So whoever's been saying that needs to slap across the head. Hard. Need to wake up. So the doctors who prescribe these cures are threatened by their medical associations with loss of medical license, true, and by the government. So if you read Dr. Knoll's explanation, you will understand the doctors are essentially helpless. This is one of the doctors in the United States. So if you doubt that, consider the well-known medical and scientific authorities who have spoken out with the result that they are censored, deplatformed, and accused by the prostitutes of spreading COVID disinformation. Because it's absolute crap. It's nonsense. Anyone you see, experts being censored, people like Dr. Robert Malone, Dr. Fleming, Dr. Peter McCulloch, Dr. Martin, Dr. Bagdi, Dr. Yanides. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. We'd be here all day if I was to read them all out. You just go to the Barrington Declaration and you look at the names. They're all there. And there's other ones that have been signed since as well. 
It's just staggering. So we've got people who have no medical experience at all telling us how we're supposed to conduct our lives in terms of medical safety and medical practice. Sound familiar? Anytime you see experts being censored, you can bet your life it is because they are speaking the truth. But instead of truth, brainwashed people worldwide see conspiracy theory, thus guaranteeing the success of the establishment's agenda. Now, it's not the establishment, it's the Kazarian cabal. Because of the evidence that I submitted to the Governor of Queensland and also to the, gov the Governor General here in Australia and other people, surprisingly, although I'm not surprised, the evidence that I submitted, no one else had it. This is what concerns me greatly. There are people who are trying to do the right thing, but they haven't armed themselves with the right weapons and the right ammunition. And by that, I mean they don't have the actual evidence to present to the courts to sink these bastards and have them held accountable. Because all of them, at some point, when we get there, and there are going to be Nuremberg Trials 2.0, because there are courts that are now being lined up in The Hague and other parts in the international courts, these people are done. They are done, folks. Unfortunately, as I know, and some of you will know, courts move very slowly. And it's not because they move slowly, it's because the majority of people that work in there are bent, they're corrupt. Now, to discuss, of course, the main topic, what does it mean to trust the science, which is why I thought it'd be good to, to go from herd stupidity, because most people are just following thumb and bum and the person in front of them uh, through fear and ignorance, which is, I think is quite scary. Now, we're told to trust the science and follow the science, but what science are we supposed to follow? There's plenty of scientific evidence that has been uh, presented over and over and over again. Here is another clip which is very specific on exactly what I've just stated. Evidence that Pfizer violated study protocols and manipulated data in order to gain emergency authorization for their experimental COVID-19 mRNA vaccine to be given to children has been uncovered. Analysis and comparison of the review document submitted by Pfizer to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, on the basis of which the FDA gave the green light to expand the emergency permit for vaccination, as well, for children aged 12 to 15, as opposed to the study protocol in children, reveal concerning findings. These include violations of the protocol established by Pfizer itself, and no less serious, designing the trial protocol in a way that will allow the company to present as positive findings as possible in terms of vaccine safety in children, and to include as little as possible serious side effects in the review submitted to the FDA. By Yafa Shir Raz. I. Violation of protocol conditions. How did children with a psychiatric diagnosis get to be included in the study? According to the review document submitted by Pfizer to the FDA, four of the 1131 children in the study arm who received Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine suffered from serious adverse events, SAEs, that is, events in which at least one criterion was met. Caused death, is life-threatening, requires hospitalization or prolongation of existing hospitalization, results in persistent disability, incapacity, a congenital anomaly, birth defect. Of these four children, three had such severe depression, that they were hospitalized shortly after vaccination, in the first seven days after the first dose, in the second only one day after the second dose, and in the third 15 days after the first dose, respectively. The consequence of this finding is extremely worrying, as it means that one in every 350 to 400 children who are vaccinated might suffer from severe depression and need hospitalization. To reassure us, Pfizer notes in its review document that in fact, all three children had a pre-existing diagnosis of anxiety and depression. 
Moreover, they explain, all three actually reported a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, SSRI, that began within one to two months prior to vaccination. Worsening suicidal ideas with initial SSRI treatment in adolescents, they explain, is a recognized risk and provides a reasonable alternative explanation for depression exacerbation in these BNT162B2 recipients. So here you go, why blame the vaccine, when there is a perfectly reasonable and logical alternative explanation for the exacerbation of their depression? What is the problem with this explanation? Two problems. One, the claim that the SSRIs the children received as an alternative explanation for the deterioration of the children's mental state is doubtful. According to the scientific literature, exacerbation of suicide and mental state occurs right at the beginning of treatment with antidepressants, usually in the first two weeks, and certainly not more than a month after starting treatment, which is the time when you start to see improvement. In fact, the opposite is true, if there is no improvement within four weeks, a medication is usually replaced. 2. More importantly, according to the study protocol, participants with a previous psychiatric diagnosis should never have been included in the study in the first place, see page 41 in the protocol. It turns out that one of the exclusion criteria in the study is, other medical or psychiatric condition including recent, within the past year, or active suicidal ideation, behavior or laboratory abnormality that may increase the risk of study participation or, in the investigator's judgment, make the participant inappropriate for the study. This is therefore a blatant violation of the study protocol established by the company itself and approved by the FDA. The implication of such a violation is severe, if Pfizer were so negligent that they included subjects with a psychiatric background in the experiment, contrary to the protocol they themselves established, it means that the subject's well-being is not their main concern. As Pfizer itself notes in the protocol, such a background may increase the risk of study participation. And if they do not adhere to ethics in recruiting subjects, who can assure us that they adhere to ethics in other sections of the study, for example, analysis of results? 2. Design the protocol in a way that will allow the company to present positive findings regarding the safety of the vaccine. In at least two criteria, the company appears to have manipulatively designed the protocol in a way that would allow it to present as positive findings as possible in terms of vaccine safety in children. A. Designing the protocol in a way that will reduce, as much as possible, the inclusion of severe adverse events in a report submitted to the FDA. In the pediatric study protocol, see table on page 12, Pfizer undertook that the duration of follow-up for serious adverse events, SAEs, would be, from dose 1 to 6 months after the second dose. A six-month follow-up period is considered to be very short compared to the usual follow-up time in Phase 3 studies for vaccines. According to the FDA, Phase 3 in vaccine studies should last between one and four years. Yet it turns out from Pfizer's review document that the company did not complete even this relatively short follow-up period, and in fact was content with only 30 days of follow-up of the severe adverse events. This fact emerges from the chapter dealing with the date of analysis, page 30, under the heading of the SAEs chapter, 12 to 15 year olds, SAEs from dose 1 through up to 30 days after dose 2 in ongoing follow-up were reported by 0.4% of BNT162B2 recipients and 0.1% of placebo recipients. 
How has this been made possible? On page 114 of the study protocol, in the chapter dealing with the timing at which the statistical analyzes will be performed, Pfizer set a number of time points for the purpose of performing these analyzes. While the maximum time period for monitoring severe adverse events in the general study population is six months, the seventh section, the fifth section set an additional cutoff point, of only 30 days after the second dose for the purpose of comparing data between two age groups, one of ages 12 to 15 and one of ages 16 to 25. In other words, the protocol appears to be designed in such a way that the review submitted to the FDA will only include the serious adverse events that appeared during the first month after vaccination. Indeed, the follow-up of the serious adverse events continues for another five months, but any adverse event that will be discovered during these months, or an adverse event that was observed during the first month but was defined as non-serious and has been worsening during the following months, or the diagnosis will change, will simply not appear in the review report. The concerning implication of this practice is that serious adverse events may not appear in the report on the basis of which the FDA issues the emergency authorization for children, so continued follow-up, even if published a few months or years after the temporary authorization was issued, will not help children who will be harmed or die following the FDA's green light. B. Designing the protocol so that diagnoses of serious adverse events given in hospitals unrelated to the study site can be ignored. Within the terms of the outcome measures in the study protocol, as it is presented in clinicaltrials.gov Pfizer determined that the research team selected by Pfizer will be the ones defining the adverse events as such, as elicited by investigative site staff. This way, the company has in effect given researchers selected by them the power to define for themselves what the diagnosis will be, regardless of the diagnosis given at the hospital, ward which is not defined as the research site. Why is this problematic? Because such a determination means that if a particular participant suffers from serious adverse events and has been treated, for example, outside the hospital or ward that functions as the research site, then in fact, the diagnosis made by the attending physicians at the hospital, ward in which the participant is treated is irrelevant. This way, Pfizer has actually allowed its team to define what the diagnosis will be, rather than letting the diagnosis given by the attending physicians confuse them. Beyond the severe criticism towards Pfizer, the analysis and comparison raise serious questions for the FDA itself. How is it possible that the FDA has even approved a protocol that allows such manipulations? Why did the FDA allow the company to perform the data analysis and submit the application for the emergency permit in children after such a short follow-up time of only 30 days? What made the FDA so eager to approve the emergency permit for children? Why is this approval given based on a safety report that is not even cooked halfway? After all, there is no emergency situation for children. Why did the FDA not address these manipulations and violations of the protocol after the company submitted its review? Yafa Shir Raz, PhD, is a risk communication researcher and a teaching fellow in the Interdisciplinary Center Herzliya in Israel and the University of Haifa. References 1. Pfizer BioNTech 2021. Emergency Use Authorization, EUA, Amendment for an Unapproved Product Review Memorandum. 2. Pfizer. 2021. A Phase 1, 2 thirds, Placebo-Controlled, Randomized, Observer-Blind, 
dose-finding study to evaluate the safety, tolerability, immunogenicity, and efficacy of SARS-CoV-2 RNA vaccine candidates against COVID-19 in healthy individuals. 3. Pfizer, 2021. Study to describe the safety, tolerability, immunogenicity, and efficacy of RNA vaccine candidates against COVID-19 in healthy individuals. 4. FDA. 2018. Step 3. Clinical Research. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, what a huge drop that we've had this evening with the information regarding the mess that our governments worldwide and the scandemic that they continue to peddle to the masses. So basically, what does it mean to trust the science? Well, we're told to trust the science and follow the science, but what science are we supposed to follow? There's plenty of scientific evidence refuting everything that we're told to accept as fact, including the claim that face masks, that lockdowns slow down the spread, that school closures protect children, that there are no effective early treatments for COVID-19, and that the fast-tracked COVID shots are safe, effective and necessary, even if you have natural immunity. We know already that the face masks don't work. Stephen Petty, that's a forensic industrial hygienist from the United States, has totally destroyed that. It's a myth. And for those of you that want to learn more, just simply go to his Rumble um, page and type in Stephen Petty and uh, it'll come up. Uh, Stephen, of course, is spelt S-T-E-P-H-E-N and his surname Petty is P-E-T-T-Y. And then, of course, is for the lockdowns, which we mentioned earlier in this show, there was a paper published in April 2021, which was a journal, medical journal, uh, by Douglas W. Allen. His surname is A-L-L-E-N. And his article was titled, COVID Lockdowns, Cost, Backslash, Benefits. And then the subtitle, A Critical Assessment of the Literature. And that's a must print and a must read. Interestingly enough, we've had four whistleblowers in the United States from the Environmental Protection Agency, which is the EPA, recently stepped forward to expose corruption within the EPA that is allowing dangerous chemicals to be approved. So the EPA, according to these whistleblowers, is violating the Toxic Substances Control Act. And even when staffers actually follow the science, wherever it leads, they are punished. And the scientists have sounded this alarm, saying that our reproductive capability is so severely impacted by toxic environmental factors that by 2045, all couples will require fertility treatment. So if this is true, this signals a true existential emergency, but the declining sperm count findings are now being reframed as a racist, far-right ideological issue. I mean, come on. You cannot make this stuff up, folks. Two philosophy professors are trying to debunk the work of reproductive health scientists who have spent their entire careers looking at this issue simply by interjecting their own ideology into the mix. Why we're not surprised by that. All while accusing the actual scientists of ideological-based hype and media are uncritically reporting it. This is why you cannot trust just any science. You see, the breakthrough of the scientific method was that it added a powerful tool to man's great quest for knowledge and an apparent advance over superstition or belief. The hallmarks of science are a firmness of comprehension demonstrable through control, predictability and repeatability of results. Science, in fact, means to know, and the belief, by contrast, traces back to an idea liking or desiring. 
So the current violations of a proper scientific method, clearly evident during the pandemic, are becoming more widely acknowledged. The word science is often invoked as a magic pass, as might be used by practitioners of a belief system, but they might as well be talking about Zeus or the Tooth Fairy even. So even when applied properly, without the apparent predetermined, preconceived outcomes that are the bane of actual science, what we have known and accepted as science is already severely limited by materialistic and mechanistic preconceptions. In other words, science, right out of the gate, indulges preconceptions, beliefs about what constitutes reality. Thomas Aquinas averred that slenderest knowledge that may be obtained of the highest things is more desirable than the most certain knowledge of lesser things. But it often seems that our science has settled for the latter. If your science can only reach so high, a clever trick is to not acknowledge realities beyond its reach. Who is doing that in the media? Anthony Fauci, ladies and gentlemen. It can acknowledge brains but minds less so, and consciousness presents quite a problem. By circumscribing reality and predetermining what can be known, artificial intelligence, AI, and other transhumanist pursuits can seem quite miraculous until compared to the real things. So what we call science, even in the best of its manifestations, ladies and gentlemen, should not be used as the sole criterion of what is or what is possible. How much less so as the counterfeit belief system and political bludgeon it has so often devolved into. So that'll wrap up our show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. But one last thing, you must remember that in Australia, we have taken our freedom for granted because while we have been willing to fight to defend the freedom of others, we have never been called upon to defend it in our own backyard until now. Most Australians or most Aussies Mockers, whatever you want to call us, have never imagined we would experience a serious threat to autonomy and freedom of thought, speech, conscience and assembly. When government threatens to take away an individual's right to employment, as Daniel Andrews is continuing to do, and he is in complete violation of every federal act and law that we have, that when governments threaten to take away an individual's right to employment, education, healthcare, and the ability to enter a store to buy food, enter a hospital, or travel on public transportation, there is no other word for it but tyranny. And Daniel Andrews is the textbook example of the, the people in Victoria and Australia today are having to endure. The guy needs to be arrested, charged, tried, convicted, and sentenced to death. I mean, he's responsible for the deaths of thousands of, of people. Do you know that the suicides are actually higher than those that have died of COVID by a, an alarming number? Nobody wants to talk about that, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't have to be like this. We can refuse to be psychologically manipulated so we are unable to engage in rational thinking and are crippled by fear. We can push back against the authoritarians taking away our freedom and trying to divide us. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening to the Life Done Under podcast and be sure to chime in this time next week and we'll be uh, sure to deliver a whole new batch of information of what's going on regarding this scandemic. I'm Grace Stanton, and good night. That's this week's podcast episode of Life Down Under. Don't forget to join Grace Stanton next week for another episode. Thank you for listening.